Howdy do, neighbor. It's Bree and Spirits time once again. The boys have gathered around, and they're ready for you. So join in, make comments, and study with the guys as they try to study as the Bereans did in Acts chapter 17. And now, here's the guys. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Berean Spirits. My name is Chris Peltz. I'm the evangelist with the Southside Church of Christ in Springfield, Missouri. And we got Josh Thornhill with the Brookmead Church of Christ over in Johnson City, Tennessee, joining us as well as always. Josh, how you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Good yeah. Well. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. We got Richard Dodson with the Kearney Church of Christ in Kearney, Missouri. Richard, how are you? I'm I'm really good. Yeah? Yeah. My nephew had a baby this morning, him and his uh, lovely wife, Megan. Nathan and Megan Wilburn. Megan had the baby. <laughs> Megan Wilburn is her maiden name, but uh, Nathan and, and Megan uh, Miller, they go to church at uh, the Woodland Hills Church of Christ in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, had a baby girl. Don't know the name yet, but I'm looking forward to hearing it. I'm sure... Uh, Sure, thankful for the baby. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations to them. Um, yeah. lo- love hearing that. Um, but uh, interesting. that um, Man, they, they got right to it. They hadn't, they've, well, How long have they been married? Three years? Uh, they've been, no, they've been married. It's about time. Uh, they were due. <laughs> they were due to have babies, so. <laughs> oh man yeah that's great yeah all right um well i don't really have much uh, in way of uh oh segue pre-show talk but uh definitely want to get into leading others to christ that is something that uh you know we definitely have an interest in that's something we want to do and uh, one of the reasons why we do this particular program is to try and put out the truth to those who are seeking the truth and to help them, uh, you know, guide them in some studies of, for themselves so they can open, the scripture, open up the scriptures and, uh, and, and find out what the will of God is. But for us, I guess the question is really how, and, and not just as, as preachers, but just as Christians, how are we to lead people to Christ. And and I think most importantly, uh, we need to set aside the idea of, you know, as as preachers, because um, the, the main goal of a preacher is to equip the saints. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, and, and, and several other places you know, so the so that the the saints can go out and teach others and lead others to Christ. And the majority of I think our uh, success comes from when the congregation is doing their part, working and laboring in the community and their friends with their friends and their family. Um, and so uh, the the question is, well, how do I have an influence on people? How do I get them involved in spiritual discussions and conversations uh, and help bring them to an understanding of Christ and convince them of their need to obey the gospel. And so I think that's kind of the approach that 
uh, I was planning on taking as far as the, uh, the episode is concerned today. Uh, so, you know, Richard, I know you've got several thoughts on this particular subject. And uh, so if you want to kick it off, go for it. He muted himself, didn't he? I, I did. Well, Kinda I was better that way, but I was posting the show on uh, Twitter and, and LinkedIn, and you know, so while you were talking, I wasn't listening, but uh, uh, I got an idea what I'm supposed to do here. Okay, uh, what you do when you talk. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think first and foremost, you know, when we're talking about leading people to Christ. You got to make the real, there's an old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And you know, that's, that is, that's just a certainty. You can lead people to Christ, but you can't make them obey. And I mean, it's, it's a, a choice that everybody has. And that choice has been given to them by God. It's a choice that has consequences, but still the choice is theirs. And I have to respect that. You have to respect that. Um, you know, you, you just can't make someone make the right choice. And so that's something you got to uh, realize right up front. And then secondly, we have to realize also that uh, it's, it's not up for us to prejudge people on who's good and who's bad, who's worthy of the gospel, who's not worthy of the gospel. Um, you know, many times people have a tendency, they want to take the gospel to people that they think are going to be obedient because they think they're good. They're just not, they're just not in Christ. And and we got to be careful about that because, you know, (laughs) you know, I preached a lesson not long ago and there's no good people going to hell. You know, everybody outside of Christ, we were enemies of Christ before we became Christians. So anyone outside of Christ, there's a judgment that's been made by God that they're not, they're not good. They're not where they're supposed to be. And so we have to understand, we have to accept that judgment and then proceed on to see everybody's in the same light. And no matter where they're at, we have to think we're going to take the gospel to everybody, not just those whom we feel is good and bad. Thirdly, I would say that it's important that we live our beliefs, that we are an example of what we're going to be professing. Because hopefully, like uh, the woman who had a husband that was not a Christian, uh, you know, she led him to Christ by her example. Uh, We can do that as well. But we're going to have to make sure that we're actually living it. If we're hypocrites, then we're not going to get there. And then fourthly, when they ask us about, uh, and I'm, I'm just giving a little outline here, uh, but fourthly, when they ask us about that life we're living, then we need to make sure that we're able to rightly divide the word of truth uh, because uh, uh you know, that's, that's what they're going to respond to is the truth. And so, you know, as far as opening, Chris, that's, that's what I would say. Those are the the four points that we need to be aware of is, is those four right there and leading people to Christ. 
So uh, it definitely Christ died for all, right? I mean, that's something I think we can we can recognize and understand, even though that is a point of contention in the religious world. Uh, you know, our attitude and our mentality needs to be Christ has died for all, right? For us and for everyone around us. And so we need to re- be willing and ready to reach out to everyone that is around us. And and Josh, probably one of the, the points that you know, Richard uh, alluded to or, or, or stated that I think uh, deserves a lot of attention is the idea of, uh, first of all, living uh, what we're professing, right? Not being hypocritical, but uh, actually, you know, providing an example. He, while he mentioned you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, you can put a little salt in his oats to make him thirsty. And and sometimes our influence is doing just that, right? Is is kind of putting in a, you know, trying to get them to be thirsty for Christ through our example. Absolutely. And I think we need to recognize the fact that we can do the opposite too. Um, it was a football coach uh, several years ago. Um, he got caught, you know, with making inappropriate phone calls on a university cell phone. And this is a guy, and I, I didn't really follow him. I didn't really know a whole lot about him, but apparently he was very outspoken about his faith. And when that came out, I remember a lot of the talking heads on on the media sites and and channels going on about, oh, he's just nothing but a fraud. He claims to be a Christian, but he's nothing but a fraud. You know, and obviously, I don't really think he was a Christian in the biblical sense of the term, but he claimed an allegiance to Christ, and then his example showed something contrary to that. And that painted a bad picture in a lot of people's minds. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to recognize uh, the danger of that. Uh, if you look at Paul's instructions to Timothy, for example, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, Paul says, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but show yourself as a model to those who believe in word, in conduct, in love, faith, and purity. And so one of the things that that uh, Timothy was in or was instructed to do was to make sure that he was being ex- an example to those that he was preaching to. Uh, and he was to give himself to the word of God and, and to take pains with the things that he was learning and studying and, and absorb himself in them so that his progress would be evident to all those around him. And because if, if he's growing, that's going to, you know, that can be infectious. And, you know, as he's trying to share uh, the word with others and, and in verse 16, pay a close attention to yourself and to your teaching. And so it's not just pay attention to the doctrine that you were presenting to other people, pay attention to yourself. And I think part of the implication there is make sure that you're following it, you're continuing in it. Uh, And for as you do this, he says, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. And so uh, we have to recognize that our example is sometimes one of the most powerful things that we have in leading others to Christ. And as I've heard before, somebody say, you know, uh, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Well, it is necessary to use words. I just want to say that. But uh, there is an importance in presenting ourselves in a way that reflects the gospel. Uh, Because sometimes that's the the first thing that people are going to see. 
And I guess another way to illustrate that, I heard years ago, I heard a story about a a woman who every day she would go to Subway for lunch. I don't know how you could afford that, but anyway. Ask Jared. <laughs> get, what's that? Ask Jared. He's oh, yeah. the, the guy that lost all that weight that oh, I know. is in prison now or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, she'd go to Subway and she was always really friendly to the employees and she'd get her food and then she'd sit down and, and read her Bible. And of course the employees knew her. They were all, you know, really friendly with her. Um, and one day this, this girl started working there who was just having a bunch of problems and the employee says, Hey, why don't you go talk to her? You know, the lady sitting down reading her Bible, they said, Hey, go talk to her. And so she did. And through that encounter that the girl who was working there at Subway eventually obeyed the gospel. And at the time that story was told, she was a faithful member of the church at that point. Of course, that was years ago, so I, I don't know whatever uh, became of her. Hopefully, she continued faithfully, but you know, that just shows how this person's good example created an opportunity for the gospel to be spoken and taught. And so we need to live the gospel to make sure that we're providing ourselves with opportunity to share the word with others as well. Yeah. I mean, throughout the scriptures, I mean, Paul talks about, you know, putting off all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and uh, receiving with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your soul. James chapter one, as James says, but Paul in Colossians, you know, talks about being clothed uh, with the gospel, right? Adorning the gospel. Um, You know, how, how are we showing others in our life? And so, um, it it's it reminds me and and Richard has pointed this out I think he his he heard it from his mom she would rather see a sermon than hear one any day uh, and it really goes to the point of you know the example that we live and and that does make a difference people see the uh, the harmony or the or the contradictions in what we say and what we do. And first and foremost, we must be living that confession of faith, uh, or it will do more harm than good. No doubt about it. Richard? Muted again, I tell you. He sounds better that way. I'm just... it, it is hard to sell Chevy trucks if you're driving a Ford. Well, it's hard to sell Chevy trucks anyway. But anyway, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Well... You know, I, I want to get, we need to get to Matthew 5, what Jesus said about this. You are the salt of the earth, Matthew five thirteen. but if salt lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything to be th- except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and gives light in all the house. Verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So, yes, example, examples are vital. I mean, that's a that's a, a strong point, and I think that's established. Um, but sometimes people who have failed in their example, you know, they may think, well, what's the use? Uh, listen. You may have fallen from grace, but if you repent and come back to Christ, all things are possible with him. 
and and he can restore your reputation. He's the one who can make you and use you uh, as he sees fit. So uh, don't lose heart if you do sin, because men do sin. Uh, don't lose heart if you are not a good example. Just repent and be determined to do the best you can and and try. And uh, the, don't be surprised what the Lord can't do, because the Lord can do anything. Saul's a great example of that. You know, how he went about persecuting Christians, and yet God used him to preach the faith he once tried to destroy. And, you know, at first the Christians were kind of, oh, whoa, yeah. But Barnabas vouches for him, and and so he's able to you know, go about spreading the gospel and doing a lot of good for the kingdom, despite was, his past. I was thinking about Peter. Him too. You know, because uh, Peter did not, at the time he denied Christ, he didn't do it with a good conscience. Where Paul was was serving God with a good conscience his whole life, but uh, uh, Peter just failed, and then he failed later when he refused to eat with the uh, Gentiles, and and so you know Peter's somebody who who had failures, but yet if you go and read his epistles, um, you know he 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 grew, he developed, he became very uh, mature in his thinking. And so, yeah, uh, it's those things that, uh, is taught, uh, in his epistles have, have benefited, uh, many a soul. So yeah, that's, um, we need to make sure that even though we, we fail, you know, go to Jesus and, and let him fix it. Yeah. And along with that, uh, in order to live the right example, Right. In order to realize the the corrections that maybe we need to make in our own life, first of all, if we're going to have an influence with someone, we need to rely and trust in the power of the gospel, which means we have to uh, know it as well. Paul said in Romans 1 verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God into salvation. You know, if we're going to lead people to Christ through the gospel, of through the gospel, we need to know the gospel. We need to um, you know, not only be living it, but in order to live it, in order to share it, we have to know it, which means we need to be in the Word of God. Uh, and, you know, that not just reading, right? There's a lot of people who read the Word of God, but don't study it, that don't, uh, you know, that they just kind of, they're skimming across it. You know, yeah, I've read the Bible you know, uh, from cover to cover every year for the past so many years. And then, you know, you start talking to them or studying with them and they're like, I don't know, I don't have a clue. I don't know, um, you know, what that means or how that fits together. And, you know, that it's, it's great that you're reading the word of God, but it's more important to study, right. To find out why things are said what application can be made to yourself and how it can benefit not only your life and walk with Christ, but uh, leading others to Christ as well. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I guess another way to, to word that is we can't lead others to Christ if we don't know Christ ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's, if there were, let's say I know Larry and I know Jim over here, 
but they don't know each other. And, you know, we're all, I might say, Hey, Larry, I want you to meet Jim, Jim. This is Larry, Larry, this is Jim. Now you're introducing them to one another because you know, both of them. Uh, we can't lead people to Christ when we don't know Christ ourselves. And that's why it's so important that we, like you have said, uh, that we study the scriptures ourselves to know who Christ is and know uh, what he's done for us and have conviction ourselves uh, to be able to share that conviction with others. And we, we can't do that unless we have a, a solid knowledge of Jesus himself, but also the word that has been spoken through him. And so you can't, as we noted there in first Timothy four, when Paul is given instructions to Timothy, it, it stems upon his devotion to the word of God. For, for him to be effective as an evangelist of Christ, he has to be devoted to the scripture so that he can share that with others so that they can come to know the Lord themselves. Yeah. Richard. Well, you go back to Matthew five. I mean, what was the light when he was talking about being a hypocrite? He said, let your light shine before others so that they may give glory to your father who is in heaven. So, I mean, that's like an attention getter, right? I mean, that's, that's what causes people to think, Hey, you know, this, I, I like the way that guy's living his life. And usually what happens, and I think Peter addressed this first Peter three fifteen, uh, when he, he talked about, uh, people asking us, uh, well, let me read it. He says, um, be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And he says, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So right there, it shows, you know, being the proper example, but then also being prepared to give, uh, you know, a defense of the gospel, being able to answer people who might ask us about our faith. And so that means you're going to have to be of faith. I mean, you, you can't uh, uh, do things in faith if you don't understand it or know it. You know, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so the very reason you're living your life that way should be based upon biblical authority. And if it's based on biblical authority, you should know where it's at. So if Josh asks me, says, Richard, why are you doing this? I should be able to go to the scripture and say, well, this is my understanding of it. Uh, this is why I do it. What do you think? And uh, uh, that that's the that's the importance of being able to to go to the scriptures. Now I may be mistaken about something, and Josh may correct me, but then again I may be correct, and uh, and then you know that might enable Josh to to glorify God, uh, not because he's doing what I told him to do, but uh, he saw Christ in me and the life that I was living. And he became, you know, inquisitive of it. And, and I showed him uh, what the scriptures had to say. You know, if you go back to Romans 10, and, and when we're talking about faith, uh, Romans 10, 14 says, how will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they've never heard? That goes to Josh's point. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? 
And so we have to be prepared uh, to tell people about the the reason of the hope that's within us. And we should be able to do that as, as a serious Bible student. Uh, I know Christians who have been Christians for many, many years who still believe the Old Testament is still in effect as far as the Ten Commandments. Uh, they have a, a very, uh, and this is sad, uh, but this, they have a, a very elementary understanding of the, the gospel, and they could not tell you why they do what they do because they, they just never looked into the Word of God. A serious person is going to want to know for themselves why they're going to do what they're going to do. And, and they're going to want to find evidence for that. And, and so if you're going to try to lead someone to Christ, uh, you're going to want someone to think that you're a serious person. And and in so doing, you're going to have to act serious by picking up that Bible and studying it and knowing it and being able to rightly divide it. Now, now Chris made a good point about just reading. Uh, you know, that doesn't cut it. In Nehemiah chapter 8, if you remember when uh, Israel was gathered, Ezra and, and the rest of them had, had started reading the word of God to them. Uh, I can't remember what verse it is, Ezra. I know it's Nehemiah 8, but uh, it, it talks about it. Uh, they, they, they gave the sense as they were reading so that they could understand what they were understanding, you know, the passage. And so, you know, that's that's an important part in teaching people is, is giving people the sense of, of or being able to rightly divide it, giving people the sense of the passage. And you're not going to be able to do that just by reading it. You're going to have to be able to look to it to understand what's going on. And you're not going to, that's just not going to happen just by reading. You're going to have to study and, and you're going to have to be like other people. You're going to have to find you some good friends that know the Bible and you're going to have to run things through them. Say, Hey, what do you think of this passage? Um, you're going to have to, you're, you're going to have to seek out understanding as the Bible said, uh, in Proverbs, you're going to have to search for that like a hidden treasure. And if you do that, you'll find it. But, uh, without, uh, the seeking that won't happen. So uh, another part of this, and, and if you, if either one of you want to elaborate on that a little more, that's fine. But uh, I want to go to the next part, uh, that I think is vital and that is setting your affections on things above, because if if everything that we do is centered around is centered around things of this world, then what's the point of change, right? Because if we're trying to lead others to Christ, we're trying to show them that change is necessary, that our focus needs to change. Um, you know, our our uh, perspective needs to change. And our perspective needs to be one of an eternal nature, right? And if we are merely focused on the things of this world and everything about this world and not things eternal, things above, then, you know, what's different in that other than claiming Christ, uh, you know, when, uh, you know, people of the world, that, that's exactly what they're doing. They're focused on the world. They're focused on the things of the world. 
And, and so if we're going to be a true influence and and lead others to Christ, we're going to have to, and I guess this goes in one sense in living, right? The, you know, an example, but really in our conversation, in, in our lives, showing that the most important things to us is not the material possessions, not the things of this world, but, but eternity, right? That that's where our focus lies. Yeah, that's absolutely important uh, because if we don't recognize the value of eternal things, then what difference does it make if we lead our friends and family to Christ? And there was a, <clears throat> I think they're, they're, they kind of do those magic acts and such. Um, and I forget which one it is. I always forget the names and whatnot, but um, there was one of them. They're both uh, atheists. And one of them was telling this story that at a show, after a show, this guy knew he was an atheist and, and he comes up to him with a Bible that says, Hey, I just wanted to give you this. And he, he's telling this story and, and he just looks very touched by that. Uh, and he, he acknowledges, he says, I still don't believe, you know, in God or anything, but, you know, he says, this man thought so much of me and had such a great concern for me that he wanted to share his belief with me. And, and his point was, if you truly believe that there is a hell, that the unfaithful will dwell in for all of eternity, he says, you have to be the most hateful person not to share that with others, not to warn others about that impending doom. And, you know, he's right. He's absolutely right. And I think part of the problem is we are so distracted with everything that our country has to offer us. Uh, we are so affluent as a nation here in America, and we have entertainment, you know, at every corner, so many things to distract us from spiritual things that it's not important to us enough to talk to that guy over there to recognize that he's lost and dying in sin. And that's the responsibility that's been placed upon us by our Lord. First Corinthians one says it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe he's entrusted us with this message through which men can be saved. And we've got to have that eternal focus, recognizing that, What's most important to us is to live for eternity and to live for the eternal life that God has promised the faithful, but also to try and bring as many others with us as we can. Yeah. You know, it, I mean, it's almost as though you're trying to look to the world, the people of the world, and say, um, hey, you're involved in all these worldly activities all these ball games all of these you know the these fun little things that you're doing why don't you come over here and do them here right and so you're not taking the focus off of worldly things right you're just switching the focus from um you know quote unquote the world doing them and now the church doing them. And so the church becomes basically a, a worldly social club. 
And, you know, and rather than leading people to Christ, you're simply leading them to just another group of people doing the same things you were doing before. Um, and, and that's what a lot of people have turned to. A lot of people have turned to the, you know, doing those things through these through groups and organizations or quote unquote churches. And, you know, they, they haven't turn their focus away from the worldly things and, and to spiritual things because, you know, the, the church that they're a part of is involved in more worldly things than they are spiritual things. Paul and Silas were in a Philippian jail in Acts 16. And uh, there was an earthquake. All the gates were opened. And they'd already been uh, beaded. But uh, they didn't. They didn't go anywhere. Uh, when the doors were open, the jailer was going to kill himself because, you know, he's responsible for the prisoners. But they cried out and they said, "Hey, don't don't harm yourself. We're still here." And they had their focus on obeying God. And and the rulers that be had sentenced them to jail. They did it unjustly, but uh, they weren't going anywhere even though they didn't even need prison doors. That's where they were sentenced to, and they were going to respect the authority that God had given them. Even though what they did was wrong, they were going to respect that authority. And their focus was on obeying God. Now, most of us, if those doors were open, would be thinking, hey, we got to make our getaway. You know, let's get out of here. I mean, we we don't want to be beaten. Uh, We don't want to... uh, uh, be in prison. We don't want all these bad things. Let's let's get out of here and let's go enjoy the good things in life. But that was not Paul and Silas's aim. Paul and Silas's aim was in pleasing God. Now I use that just to illustrate what our aim needs to be as well. Our aim needs to be on Jesus Christ. And if our aim is focused on Jesus then we are going to respect authority. Even when authority is not used properly, we're going to respect it. But our various lusts of this world, you know, they, they, they are secondary to following Jesus. And so we don't get caught up in the love of money. Uh, we don't give up in the pursuit of entertainment and things of that nature because we have responsibilities in Christ that need to be met. And so that is why I think one of the best examples we can put before the world is you need to go to church on Sunday. Uh, When uh, uh, it's time to be in church, you need to be there because uh, people, your neighbors watch that. They know what's going on. And, you know, here football season is getting ready to start up. You know, and here in Kansas City, that's a big thing with with the Chiefs, you know, and Pat Mahomes. Uh, There's... (laughs) People love going to the football games. They love the football parties. They like all that that goes along with it. Uh, You can forsake the the assembly. That's your choice if you want, and go to the football games. But that's going to be a manifestation to everybody that something else comes before serving Jesus. And that's going to be really difficult to convince someone to serve Jesus uh, if you're not putting him first. Absolutely. Go ahead, John. You know, 
several years ago, I heard or I saw a video um, that there was this church somewhere, and it was a denominational church, and the uh, the quote unquote pastor uh, was his team was playing in the NFL playoffs that afternoon. And so he's standing there before the congregation and, and he's basically saying, all right, well, um, uh, you know, y'all can do what you want. We've got bread here. We've got the fruit of the vine here. Y'all can help yourself. Um, and says just like a couple words. And then he rips his robe open and it's the shirt with the team logo that he liked on. And then he's like, all right, I'm out of here. And then he walks out the door and some people were like, oh yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, it's an indication that his heart's not with Christ. His heart doesn't belong to Christ. It belongs to the things of this world. And how in the world is he able to uh, show his devotion to the Lord when he makes choices like that? And then growing up, one of the elders uh, where that was at the congregation where I was worshiping at when I was younger uh, he told about a time when, you know, he and his wife at one point in their life, you know, every Sunday they were leaving the house and going to, to worship. And, you know, the neighbors were used to that, to seeing that. And there was one Sunday morning where they were both sick and they didn't leave the driveway and their car didn't leave the driveway. And their neighbors thought something must be wrong. And so they went and knocked on the door said, hey, I noticed your car wasn't here. I was figuring something might be wrong. Are y'all okay? They showed what was important to them, to their neighbors. And that can provide opportunities. And so I think at the end of the day, again, going back to what we've said, it's got to be important to us if we're going to try and make it important to somebody else. You know, like, for example, a salesman. If there's a salesman like you just said, it's hard to sell a, a Ford truck or a Chevy truck when you're driving a Ford or vice versa. You know, if you're trying to sell a product and you're not excited about it, why should I be excited about it? You know, hey, we've got this, we got this coffee here and it's, it's a bit bitter and you know, it's, you might want to drown it that and down, uh, drown it with a bunch of other stuff, so it kind of mocks the covers, masks the flavor of it. But you know, it's our coffee, and we'd like for you to buy some if you if you you know if you don't have an other coffee that you prefer. You know, who would buy coffee from a salesman like that? And and yet we present the gospel that way sometimes, as if it's not the most important thing to us. And I think if we're not passionate about the gospel of Christ and we're more passionate about other things, uh, then people are going to see that. And why should they want to be a part of it if it doesn't mean everything to us? And, you know, that gets into preaching. Because if you do get someone to come to church, the preacher needs to have some passion about the message that he's presenting. You know, I mean, all too often, you know, you will hear preachers get up there and they'll just give a, like a PhD, uh, uh, what do they call it, Dis dissertation. And, and you know, just here's the facts. Did I say Richard the word? does not have a PhD, by the way. No, I don't. <laughs> he may talk boring like it, but, you know, he doesn't. <laughs> I don't have a PhD, but I got the gospel and that's better. There you go. Yeah. Now, here's the deal. I mean, when you're getting up there and you're preaching the gospel, well, you gotta like, you should have a passion 
in in your sermons. And and that should be evident. That's just not the person in the pew having a passion. That preacher needs to have a passion in his presentation. And that, uh, you know, the old dragnet sermons, you know, just the facts. Here's the facts, just the facts. Uh, you know, do- preached by Dr. Spock. That's not going to work. You got to show some emotion. Uh, there's there's needs to be some passion in, in preaching. Whether well, it's in or out. The application, you are the man. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, when you go back to the, the members of the congregation, you know, because they're often asking the questions, how do I start conversations? How do I get, you know, involved in these conversations? You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4, I preach to you that which was the utmost importance, that Christ died as in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose the third day as in accordance with the Scriptures. Right, that which is of utmost importance. The reason we can talk to someone about sports, about hunting, fishing, about cars, about knitting, cooking, grilling, whatever it is that we talk to them about, is because of exactly what Richard and Josh have both pointed out. We're passionate about that. Well, a lot of times when we're asking the question, uh, you know, how do I start a conversation? It it you need to be very careful because you know the it can bring into question how passionate you are or how ashamed maybe you are about Christ right because that's a lot of times a fear when we're ashamed or we're fearful of something we don't want to talk about it because we don't know you know how people will respond or react to it listen if this is truly important to you and this is what you are passionate about, then you know you that that's not going to matter. You're going to share your life and your interests and your passions with others, and we need to share that when it comes to Christ. It's a shame, I think, when people have been Christians for a while, and someone approaches them and asks them about the belief that they have, they feel like they gotta go get the preacher to tell them. Uh, you know, uh, I could see that with a new convert, but, uh, people who have been Christians for a while, you know, they, they need, they need to know, um, you know, my wife, there's certain things that she makes really well that me and my son really like. And it's funny because she's not always available to make them. And because we had a passion for them, we learned how to make it ourselves. We know the recipe. We figured it out. We can make it. Now, that's exactly what we need to do as Christians. Uh, We need to have a passion for that gospel. We don't need the preacher. We can go figure it out ourselves and preach that message. And and that's what what we need to be doing. That that comes from, from liking what you heard of the gospel. If you really like it, you love it, you're going to learn it, you're going to know it, and you're going to present it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Paul said to Timothy, present these things to faithful people that they can go out and teach others also. Second Timothy 2, verse 2. You know, equipped for the work of ministry, Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12. So, yeah, they they need to be putting that 
in into practice and application. Josh, any last thoughts? Um, I would just add to what Richard said. Um, I don't remember what I was going to add to what Richard said, honestly. Um, he's talking about the making it yourself and or learning to make it yourself. Um, some wisecrack about chocolate chip cookies. I know what it was, but go ahead. No, no, it wasn't a wisecrack. It was, I just can't remember what it is I was going to say. Um, but anyway, I, I do think, you know, this is a vital part. You know, it's a vital role that all of us have. You know, we, we've been entrusted with it. God could have chosen any way to save men. But he chose to save men through the preaching of the gospel. And that places a responsibility upon us. Mm. And that's a great responsibility that we have. And, and we ought to take that seriously and, and appreciate and the opportunity that we have to, to share something so great. Uh, with this lost and dying world. Absolutely. Yeah. Richard, last thoughts? Well, you know, so many churches try to use gimmicks to try to bring people in, and they lure them through various things of this world. Uh, we need to remember Second Thessalonians 2.14. Uh, people are called through the gospel. And so... That's what we our focus needs to be on. God God calls men through the gospel. And so, you know, put that as our focus. Absolutely. Yep. And and yeah, because otherwise verse 10 will perish because yep. we did not receive a love of the truth. So Folks, we appreciate everybody tuning in and listening to Berean Spirits here on uh, Thursday mornings at 10 o'clock. Or if you're listening on the, the, the podcast episodes, we appreciate that as well. Uh, shoot us an email, bereanspirits at gmail.com. We love hearing from folks also. But until next time, remember to search the scriptures with Berean Spirits. Well, folks. That's all for today. Don't worry. Lord willing, the guys will be back next week for another Bible study on Berean spirits. Until then, let the guys hear from you. Drop them some email at bereanspirits at gmail.com. They'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep studying that Bible.